Welcome to the Center for International and Regional Studies at Georgetown University in Qatar. These podcasts are part of a research initiative titled Building a Legacy, Qatar FIFA World Cup 2022. Welcome, everybody. We are talking today about fan experiences at the FIFA World Cup 2022. The aim of this episode is to learn about the lived experiences of fans who actually went to the stadiums rather than just watching the games on TV. We are talking to five members of our Georgetown University in Qatar community. Let me briefly introduce our panel in the order of numbers of matches watched live at the World Cup. I'm starting with one of my students, Ahmed Al-Khwari, a student in his senior year who is majoring in culture and politics. He watched 42 World Cup matches live. Hi, Ahmed. Hi. Zuhaym Aitani, a rising senior student who is majoring in international politics, watched 31 World Cup matches live. Hi, Zuhaym. Hi, Professor. Robert Lars, data, media, and web librarian, watched 29 matches live. Hi, Robert. Hello, Daniel. Santiago Garcia Couto, an assistant professor in economics, watched 17 World Cup matches live and was one of Uruguay's fan leaders. Hi, Santi. Hi. And last but not least, Sarah Holt, program manager at the Student Wellness and Counseling Center. She watched eight World Cup matches live, including the final and semifinals. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Daniel. Some questions I will be asking to all our panelists and some just to specific persons. But my first question is for We all share one fate. Um, we have all nationalities of countries that didn't do very well at the World Cup. Uh, I'm German, but fortunately, I'm just asking the questions. Um, and so our other participants are from Qatar, the United States, and Uruguay. Uh, Sarah, the U.S. at least made it in the round of 16, where it, uh, the country lost against the Netherlands. So my first question to all of you is, um, to what extent did your nationality shape your interest in the World Cup, and to what extent did or did not your team's failure impact your fandom? Um, maybe my two Qatari students um, can start. Uh, Ahmed. Yes. So first of all, thank you for your question, Professor. Um, First of all, I am sincerely proud of being a participant of this World Cup and attending many matches. Even though the Qatari team didn't really do well, but I have a sense that we have been proud of this achievement because this was the first time that an, an, uh, a nation that is from the Arab world has been ever uh, to host the World Cup. And we have been doing well, and I have been proud, I have been nationalistic, I have been cheering with all my heart for the national team. And uh, even though the performances wasn't well, it was highly competitive tournament, but I must say that I am proud of my national team. Yeah. Okay, Suhain? Um, yeah, I agree with what uh, Ahmed has been saying. But uh, for example, we, I've been talking to my friends before the World Cup and like, how, like how, can you, how far do we expect Qatar to make it uh, throughout the tournament? I mean, we were very ambitious, to be honest. We're like, okay, we might beat Ecuador if like, that was a possibility and then might get lucky in the other two matches. But uh, I mean, at least we scored the goal and we're, we, you know, we're proud it's the first you know, time we made it to the World Cup. And I remember talking to an Argentinian fan when I went to the Argentina-Poland game. 
And I was telling like our country has not been doing really well, and you know in the World Cup, and you know we got kicked out so fast, and we were we were a bit disappointed. And then he was like, "It's fine. It's your first time in the World Cup, and you have to develop your team. You have to develop your league because our league in Qatar is not as you know as competitive." So he was telling us that um, it's fine. Maybe in the future World Cups, you know, your team could you know could make it. I mean, in Asia, we are certainly competing. So that might be like a start for the future. So I'm definitely proud of my team, and you know, at least we got to see something that. Uh, since I was a child, I've been I've been like kind of waiting for um, since you know twelve years. So yeah, Santi, you must have had high hopes uh, for Uruguay, uh, football nation. How was your reaction? Well, um, to be honest, you know, I I grew up with uh, Uruguay not making it to the World Cup. So for me, the fact that Uruguay qualifies is already something to celebrate, and that was that was the most important thing for me. I, at some point, we were not made, we were not doing well in the qualifiers. But when we made it, I mean, I wanted Uruguay to be part of it because everything would have been different. So I got that. And then, yeah, of course, I was expecting more. I have to be completely honest. But, uh, I mean, it is what it is. And I, it didn't affect at all my experience. I think if something, actually, I could enjoy even more because I was not nervous for uh, uh -huh. Uruguay's fate, you know. And I got the deal because my dad was here with me. Uh, we watched the three matches. And we got to celebrate two goals together in the stadium. For me, that was, that was it, basically. Yeah, I think that's an important aspect. I also had friends visiting and tremendously enjoyed it to go together with them to the matches. And uh, Robert and Sarah, um, maybe you are the least disappointed for the first time uh, in my lifetime, the US went further than Germany in the World Cup. So how was it for you attending the matches also after the US was not in the tournament anymore? Yeah, I mean, obviously we wanted them to go as far as they could go. And we were sad when they were knocked out. It was really fun to kind of try to imagine them getting further along, but um, they did a really good job and we were also really super proud of them. Um, after they got knocked out, it didn't make any difference to me in terms of going to the matches. All of the matches were so fun to go to. The fans were in such good form and it really didn't detract from, from my experience at all. We just had an amazing time with people from all over the world. It was such a special time for Qatar and um, yeah, it was great. Mm -hmm. Robert? Yeah, I, I had a similar experience. Um, I was, uh, I have to say, though, the USA matches I um, was, was particularly excited about and uh, cheered a lot, and I got to sit in the um, fan section of the USA-Iran match, and we stood the whole entire match, cheered, and I was exhausted by the time that match ended. Uh, but it was great to walk around with the USA shirt on in Qatar, where I lived for about 15 years now and, and take pride in my country in a different way than, than but also to, to share that you know, with my friends from Qatar as well and, and share their passion for their team too. Yeah, so uh, Ahmed already said um, that uh, he's proud of being a Qatari citizen, uh, a citizen of the country. That's the first Arab country that hosted the World Cup. So... Um, also, like for, for, for those of us who came here as, 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 as foreigners and are residents now, how um, excited and proud are you about living in a country that hosted uh, the World Cup? Sarah, maybe you start? Sure. Um, so we came to Qatar eight years ago, and for us, this has been kind of the real pinnacle that we've been looking forward to. And the fact that it just went so well made us feel really proud for the country and really um, it was such an amazing experience for our children who lived here uh, all that time and really looking forward to this happening. 
and all of our friends who had questions back home, who wanted to know what was going on, what was it like. It was really amazing to be able to share that experience with so many people. Yeah, since you mentioned children, uh, my son, he was flag bearer for two matches. So I think that's also something he will not forget until the rest of his life. Uh, Santi, how, how are your feelings? So first I gotta say, I'm gonna answer very quickly, very excited and, and very proud. Uh, and I mean, I think Qatar should be very proud. It was a fantastic tournament. And I mean, all the fears that of course we had because it was a challenge, a very big challenge, uh, they disappeared in the first few days. So that was amazing. And personally, I mean, I, I was very excited, but you know, I, I think we all share this, right? We all these these little things for people like that they ask you, where should I go? What should I do? Or you pick up someone from the airport and you know, you took them there. Or you told them which restaurant to go, and so you know. I, in the end, I look back, and and my dad told me, which which actually made, made me very proud of that he said like, oh, it's amazing how many people like you could help, and how many. So for me, that was uh, even better than football, to be honest. And I was not expecting; I didn't think about it. So so in that sense, I mean, uh, it really touched me. You know, you know, I got I got emotional when I think about it. So yeah, and, and I mean, the country again. I I cannot say it enough times. Uh, I should we should all congratulate everybody involved. Mm -hmm. And, and Robert, I think you have a special story because you worked here for a long time, then you took a job abroad, but then you decided to come back right for the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> how it wasn't was coincidence, um, but but it, it was a happy coincidence, maybe, if you look at it. Uh, but but the, the point is, is um, I have been here for a long time. In, in fact, I was uh, in Qatar the night that the award of the World Cup was made, um, and I remember where I was, what I was doing. It was one of those type of moments. I was actually in the LAS building, working in the library, and um, heard it, and students started cheering, and I remember getting stuck in traffic driving home from um, Education City that night. Um, but I have great pride because, um, and I, I felt, you know, a responsibility to, talk about Qatar and tell people what it's really like here, what, how, how the, the country has done a lot to prepare and is uh, representing um, the, the, the you know, World Cup in, in a really honorable and impressive way. And I felt that was my responsibility and um, an honor to do, actually. So, so um, how, I'm asking to, to the foreigners, Sarah, Robert, and Santi, how was What reactions did you get from, from home? Did, did people, were, were they more interested in Qatar than they used to be? Or did they make like positive or negative comments on Qatar? So how, how were your interactions with like family and friends at home, Santi? Yeah, that was also a very interesting part uh, because I mean, the comments that, that I would get generally is like, uh, I, 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 I relate to what you just said, right? Uh, I felt the responsibility to, to, to tell people what is to live here, what is Qatar like? Because I feel very welcome here and, and so, uh, yes, I, uh, they were all surprised. I just said, oh, I didn't know it was like this. I'm surprised. Like, it's so beautiful and the city and all the things that have been built. And, oh, but you can actually, you know, all these fears that people have, right, with, in this region in general. Like, what can I do? What can I do? And then they realized that they could do pretty much whatever they wanted to, and, and they were very welcome. So, in that sense, uh, there were very positive reactions. Uh, I have colleagues also that they came here. They were also in Saudi. They were also in the Emirates, and they were... I mean, they were, their minds were blown away by, by everything that is going on in, in this region, which I always say I think is kind of probably the future, or, you know, uh, one of the most important regions in the future. So, yes, uh, they were 
pleasantly surprised, and I think uh, this opens the door for many people coming here, of course, to visit, which I know it is one of the goals that Qatar has for 20, 2030, but also to live, right, and to invest and to, to be involved because they, they, they saw something that is not common and they, they really like it, I think, in general. That, that was my experience, at least from the people I talked to, of course. Mm -hmm. Robot? I, I agree with that. Um, um, I, I actually maybe shouldn't have done, but I read a lot of editorial and news reporting coming from um, media in the West. And I, I was actually angry, to be honest with you, when I was reading it because it was, seemed so one-dimensional, so one-sided, so frankly racist in, in a lot of instances. And I've, <laughs> I wanted to reach out and, and tell everyone I could that it's not like that at all. What what some some of the complaints about um, you know issues of human rights and, and you know just other controversies it wasn't what what the media was making it out to be. And they need to come and speak to people and get to know the country to really understand you know what was happening here. So um, talking to people back in the United States, I did definitely spend time to try to explain. You know, some and, and hopefully mis correct some of the misconceptions. Mm -hmm. Sarah? Yeah, I'd just like to echo that, especially over the last eight years since we've been here, there has been this knowledge of the World Cup, and we have felt that it is our responsibility to tell people about Qatar, what it's like to live here in our experience, because I think our imaginations can kind of get the better of us when we don't really know what, what a context is. And... Um, it has been an honor to be able to tell friends and family about how great it is to live here and also how great the games were. We just had such an amazing time. We had friends visit from Ireland and friends visit from the United States, and both of them really found it to be one of the highlights of their life, the whole experience. And these were these are people who traveled many, many places around the world and, and enjoy that. So I think, um, and back home, as well, a lot of people, you know, they said, oh, we looked for you on TV, and that was so exciting. You're right behind the goal. During the games, I had friends from home who were watching the games texting me, and it was really great for connecting with people around the world as well. So talking about the matches, um, so there were eight World Cup stadiums, uh, seven of them newly built. Um, which stadium did you like most and why, and which of the matches you watched live you we remember most, Ahmed. I would say definitely the final. It was in Lucia Stadium, the iconic stadium. It felt like this gigantic stadium that's going to conclude with the award ceremony. It will have a historic moment. And the way that I have felt while I was driving my car towards the stadium and walking towards the stadium, it felt uh, surreal. I would uh, say that. And just feeling the moment that, like, this is a moment that's going to be written in history, either either France, either Argentina. And I remember, like, the stadium was full, it was packed, people from all over the world came in to see the games. It was so intense, it was so exciting. It was actually even emotional for me as a, particip as a participant, as uh, a citizen of Qatar, to see how we have waited 12 years for this final moment. And history is written. Argentina won the World Cup. And yes, Messi won were the best. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was like, 
it was a historical moment that is going to be written in the historical books of Qatar. Yeah. Like it's to that extent how sincere and happy I feel about uh, the Lucille Stadium. Zuhaim, how about um, you? Uh, for me, I think that uh, there are two stadiums that stood out. Uh, Al-Bayt Stadium is my favorite by far. Uh, like even just talking to people, they would just tell me like how amazing the Al-Bayt Stadium was. And it's kind of like the place that they want to be. I even saw some people just want to just see the stadiums, even though they don't even want to like enter the, you know, they don't, they don't even have tickets to the matches. But like another stadium that I think is really good is Al-Thumama Stadium because anywhere you would sit in that stadium, you'd have an amazing view. If you sat in the front row, if you sat at the back, you'd have an amazing view. And uh, I know, I know, like Al Khalifa uh, Khalifa Stadium was um, the stadium that has been here from you know for decades. And I think that that uh, stadium has the same kind of aspect where anywhere you would sit around the stadium, you would still have an amazing view. So I think for me personally, Al Bayt Stadium was amazing, but the other two stadiums mm. I think that are uh, are definitely underrated, especially like the way that they were built. Uh, it would make it uh, everyone would kind of have the same experience because they would view the match, you know, and uh, they would have a good view of the whole game. Yeah, so um, the um, Khalifa Stadium is the only one with a, with a racetrack around. Yes. Yeah. So I found it uh, a bit far away, but you are right, the view was everywhere. And I just want to say something. I agree with Ahmed that, you know, the final was a memorable match. And a lot of people around the world would say it's, arguably say it's one of the best finals of the World Cup. But I think the, there were a lot of group stage matches that were underrated. For example, uh, the, the USA versus Iran match, because it was a very political match as well. I think they faced uh, each other in the World Cup once before. Yep. Uh, and another match like Portugal versus Ghana, it was a really good match. Uh, uh, Serbia and Switzerland was a very competitive match as well. Uh, but for me, the opening, you cannot like forget the opening. The opening ceremony was amazing. I was just there. I could not like believe like what I can see while I was seeing. Of course, the match didn't go the way that we wanted to. But overall, the, the, opening, match, the opening ceremony was also uh, you know, something to be remembered. Robert? Uh, yeah, um, for me, um, the match that stood out, or the stadium that stood out was uh, Tumana, um, in part mostly because uh, USA played around there, yes. and that was a match I went to and got st uh, stand the entire match, and it was a, a victory for the USA. So it, it might be one of those things where, you know, we'll say, uh, you know, the all Tumana match, you know, <laughs> in USA uh, football history. Um, so that, that stadium is today. And of course, uh, this, the architecture of the stadium is, is famous. It's, um, I, and some, one of my country friends will have to tell me the name of the, uh, uh, the head, headpiece that uh, was modeled. Uh, the Gafir. Yeah. Al -Gafir. Yeah. So it was um, um, modeled on, on that. And that has a strong symbolism in, in the Arab world. Uh, so that, that was impressive, too. Mm -hmm. I, I like that. Sandy? I, I would say that um, Albaid was the best stadium I have ever been to. So it's not only in for the World Cup. I mean, it's amazing. I, I, I was completely, I couldn't believe it that I was in the stadium. I, I love it. I, I think it is a shame that, you know, it's going to be uh, downsized. And, but I understand why, but I, I, I love it. I love it. It's just fantastic. Uh, for me, it has, the other ones were very good, but that one, it's amazing. I, I, I don't know. I would like to go there again. <laughs> so that, that's in terms of staying. In terms of matches, I'm, I'm going to do a little, I'm going to cheat a little bit because I got to say three. I'm sorry, but for, <laughs> uh, it, it's different reasons. So, I mean, Saudi Argentina was oh, yeah. incredible. I, I was at that match and I said, I'm witnessing history here. This is just, I cannot believe what I'm seeing, especially at that time, we didn't know, but then Argentina ended up being world champion, right? And that's, that, has a, that is even more important now. Uh, but football-wise, I think France and, and England was a fantastic game. Mm -hmm. I, 
I think it was fantastic. And then in terms of the experience in the stadium, to be honest, I love Saudi fans in Argentina, uh, Saudi, but Morocco, Spain, and I was right behind the, where the penalty shootouts were. So I have to mention this one, you know, the match was not good, but that end was amazing. And I mean, and I do like Spain in general, but I was very happy for Morocco. I think we all were, right? Because yeah. we had a little bit that up already. We have been here for a little while. So we were kind of rooting for them. And I was very happy. And I got to record the, the last penalty. So, you know, I'm sorry that I'm mentioning three, <laughs> but you will understand there are different reasons here to, to put on the table. Yeah, Sarah? Yeah, just to echo, I think Albait is one of the most awesome stadiums that uh, exists in the world. It, it's just such a fun experience, and the, the design of it is is just so unique, um, and it's so efficient inside. It's 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 all good combinations of everything. Um, but I would say my one regret is that I did not get to go to 974. And so my kids got to go. They talked about how awesome it was. But that is my one regret that I that was the one stadium I didn't get to visit. Yeah, and you won't ever be able because uh, they start already to dismantle it. <laughs> I, um, I would be interested to ask those of you who have been at like many, many, many matches um, how you navigated to do so. I mean... Um, Ahmed, you went to 42 matches. I mean, my question is, first of all, how did you get tickets for 42 matches? Yes. And how did you just navigate? Were there like two or three matches per day? And how did you plan the logistics? And um, um, same then afterwards to uh, Zuhaim and, and Robert, yeah? Yeah, sure, no problem. Honestly, first of all, I was lucky. Uh, there is a lot of uh, tickets, like for especially the opening match, I received a gift from my uh, mother. And other than that, I was lucky in the resale platforms. I have uh, been lucky enough to get a lot of tickets. And actually, even surprisingly, Professor, I got the Germany Series uh, Games tickets match. So I uh, had the six tickets. And other than that, uh, in terms of uh, the logistics, most of the time I've been through car because I remember back then on Twitter, there was a lot of encouragement by uh, the SEC, the Supreme Committee, to make the uh, the expatriates who live in Qatar and the residents and uh, the residents and the citizens of Qatar to use their car because there was a lot of parking spaces all over the stadiums and the roads were so accessible mm -hmm. and the infrastructure the other infrastructure such as the metro such as the buses was mostly encouraged to use by the international fans so therefore I have found a lot of easiness even though in the first uh, place I was really surprised and really worried on how 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 accessible can like managing to go between matches would be but in reality it was so smooth it was so easy and i been sometimes i've been late to matches like sometimes i would like enter like in the in the halftime break however sometimes uh, i would get real easiness when i'm going to the stadium the roads are smooth there is no traffic only in the circumference of the stadium, sometimes you would get light traffic. Other than that, my experiences have been phenomenal. What was the maximum of a number of matches you saw on one day? Uh, three. Yeah. So, Haim, how was your experience? Um, I think in the beginning, I was uh, struggling a bit because, you know, I was not used to going to a lot of matches, you know, in a row. So 
But I think I gained a new skill in the World Cup is uh, <laughs> how to park and where to park, you know, yeah. to you know, immediately like leave the stadium. So I would park in right next to the exit and I would actually use the scooters. I think the scooter <laughs> companies made a lot of money during the World Cup because especially at uh, the 974 Stadium, because the first time I went there, I was like, I never want to go back to that stadium again. And the walk was like a long walk and, you know, we'd miss out. But I would just take the scooter. I'll get there like eight to ten minutes and then I'll just park the scooter and then I would, you know, I'd lock it. So then once I leave, I get the scooter back and I would uh, leave the stadium. But uh, the most games I've attended in a day is two matches. I don't think I could attend three or four. I think that would have been too much. I mean, even with two matches, uh, even when we got to the knockout stages where there were two rounds of 16 matches, it was kind of, you know, uh, it was... Um, it was it was kind of a struggle, but I remember, like for example, in the Education City Stadium match, uh, I would park. I thank No Car Day because I would park at the parking lot where there was No Car Day right next to the exit, and I would just take the tram and I would go to the game and then I would leave. I mean, I didn't. I don't think I personally found any struggle because it's like I got used to you know the you know the system uh, during the World Cup. And one more point to point out, Professor, that the weather was good. Yeah, the weather was really good. So like. Like even me as a pedestrian walking to the stadiums, it was really easy. It was really accessible. So, and uh, I think this is like gave me the motive to attend a lot of matches. Sometimes it's luck, you know. Uh, in 2006, when my home country Germany was hosting the World Cup, it was a beautiful summer, and the same year, the December was like fantastic. And now in January, we had so much rain. So fortunately, that did not happen during the World Cup. Um, so I, I watched 30 matches live, but I regret that there was not one day match day where I watched two matches live because I think it's uh, maybe the only time in World Cup history where one can watch two matches live per yes. day. But I think, Robert, you managed, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. During the first week um, when there are four group stage matches per day, I mm -hmm. went to two a day. Um, and uh, similar to... to um, Ahmed and Suim, uh, you would get a rhythm going. You you would know where to park. You would know where where to get a scooter. And uh, for Education City matches, for example, my brother my brother who works at Cornell here in Qatar, we went together, and I would park at his um, house and take a scooter to Education City, and then head back, and then get right to the car and drive to uh, Lucille Stadium. So you get into a rhythm after so many <laughs> matches. Uh, it was kind of fun, uh, actually, to, to you know, um, go, have that opportunity. Uh, Sandy, you were one of Eurovice fan leaders. What does is this supposed to mean? How you were selected and what were your responsibilities and yeah, how so many fans were there from Uruguay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so in general, you know, we are a small community. We are around uh, 70 Uruguayans living in Qatar. So it was something very just informal. There was this, uh, like, uh, like boss fan leader, basically, the one of us. And, and then we, we went to see Al Khalifa Stadium and we met there and then they need more people to help out with some, you know, different logistics and things with the fans. And, and that was how it happened. It was very natural and informal, you know. And, and then but what I did basically uh, was mostly uh, making sure that, for example, we arranged for some of these cultural demonstrations to come. So we, we like, contacted some drummers, from Uruguay, that they were like outside some of the stadiums. Then we also, um, so Qatar, uh, the, the Supreme Committee was organizing for some fans to come towards the, the, the inaugural match, right? And so we contacted these fans from Uruguay. They wanted people from each country because they wanted uh, people from different countries to be at the stadium. And then basically helping out, help, helping out, you know, the fans that, that were coming in different things, like how to get from here, from there. So we had this WhatsApp group, we were like giving tips and 
commenting different things on what to do. And and I think the, the estimation was around 2,000 Uruguayans were here, but I, I cannot tell. What I can tell you is for, that before the first match that was in Education City, I also live in Education City community housing. There were like 150 at my place before <laughs> we got to it. That was the best thing that, that happened to me, I think, probably one of the best things that's happened in my life. Like I had 150 Uruguayans chanting, you know, with the with the national uh, jersey. Then we came to, to the stadium together. That was fantastic. I just couldn't believe it. Awesome. <laughs> And Sarah, you had uh, a unique experience when you wanted to try to bring a flag into the stadium. So what happened and what sensitive flag was that? It was a very, very sensitive flag. It was the state of Maine uh, breakaway flag. It's a yellow flag with a pine tree and the North Star on it. And I wanted to bring it to the England-USA um, match, particularly because, uh, you know, we have this friendly rivalry with English people and, you know, my part of the U.S. is New England and, you know, we really like to stick it to them as much as we can. <laughs> so um, I wanted to bring the my main flag in and also so my friends could maybe locate me on TV because I was sitting with the U.S. fans behind the goal and um, on the way into the stadium I was asked by a few people what the flag was you know there was curiosity around the flag and when I went into security they thought about taking the flag off me some of the women who were checking They didn't, they'd never seen it. Nobody knows the flag of Maine. It's a very small state. Nobody knows what it is. So the women checking me really were, were kind of worried about what the flag represented. And then they eventually brought the flag to their supervisor who took one look at it and said, let her in. So <laughs> it was good. It was fun. And I did have my flag behind the goal. So I would like to uh, ask all of you one last Uh, question. So, I mean, Qatar is hosting now international sporting events uh, since around 30 years, and the World Cup certainly was a highlight, but it's not ending. I mean, uh, next year we have the Asian Football Championship here, and there are so many more uh, uh, international sporting events scheduled in 2030, the Asian Games. So, based on your experiences at the World Cup, what do you think can be learned from 2022? And What do you wish for the future when Qatar will be hosting other sporting events or do you have specific suggestions? So um, what would you like to add to, to that? Um, Suhaim, would you like to start? Uh, yeah, I, I, honestly, I was shocked of uh, how um, I was shocked of like how well you know Qatar uh, organized the World Cup. I thought that there might be like a few you know struggles, but then it was uh, I, I was I'm proud you know of how uh, they handled the World Cup. Uh, but I think you know for the future, uh, I think instead of criticizing you know like you, you know criticizing you know the country, you should just um, uh, you should like let something happen before you criticize something that did not happen yet. And I think that Qatar definitely can ho can ho if you know you hosted the World Cup. I think you can definitely host other you know big major sporting events. And I think you know we could uh, if the World Cup went like the World Cup went so well. Uh, I think we could use that as an example for us to you know maybe improve or you know just keep like keep going keep doing what we did. And I think you know we can definitely successfully host other uh, major sporting events. So mm -hmm. yeah, Ahmed. Honestly, as Sam has mentioned, I think uh, the Qatari, uh, the Qatari uh, leadership or the Qatari authorities who are um, in charge of uh, holding up uh, sporting events have, uh, let's say, the know-how of how to manage uh, sporting events. 
And based on uh, the collective experiences, and I think your experiences, Professor, I think uh, they they are trained and they are uh, they are like uh, they had the right training on ho- holding up uh, mega sporting events, and this was uh, Qatar's strategy to have a friendly, uh, friendly, friendly government agencies to come into Qatar to learn from their experiences and uh, in order to get a holistic experience in how to manage uh, mega sporting events. So in terms of suggestions, I don't think I would have the right authority to give out suggestions and I don't have any experiences in upholding mega events. But I, what I have found, what I have seen, observed firsthand was just smooth, it was so easy. So I think like if Qatar stays in, uh, Qatar stays in the same tone, it's just perfect. Mm-hmm. So Robert, you have been also at many other uh, football matches internationally, so what's your take? Well, um, to be honest, Qatar did a fantastic job. The stadiums were wonderful. The logistics of getting in and out of the stadiums, public transportation, I mean, <laughs> better than um, you know the United States in a lot of ways, some of my experiences there. Um, I would say that in terms of managing football and getting fans to and from matches, they can't improve a whole lot because they were really wonderful. Maybe the only thing that they could think of improving, it's not necessarily their fault, but being aware of is public relations. And maybe with the West in particular, if that came up again. And I would say uh, maybe just being proactive, anticipating what maybe is coming their way in terms of criticism and getting ahead of it. Well, that said, And Qatar doesn't have to answer to anyone, to be honest with you. So um, they take pride in what they've done, and um, I think you know they're worthy of it too. Mm-hmm. Santi, no, I mean I agree with with all of them. I think you know in terms of organization and logistics, uh, it was fantastic. If I had to be very picky, I would say not crossing the corniche, maybe. <laughs> it's just a, I mean it's just a joke. It's, I think it, it generated a lot of uh, traffic jams, like in Al Salah and the region. But this is. See, um, it's what I'm commenting, right? This is very... I cannot say anything about getting in and out of the stadium. Like, I cannot criticize anything. It was fantastic. And when it was not, it was clearly, you know, uh, mistakes made by the people in charge that they didn't follow what they were supposed to do because it was very clear what they were supposed to do. So in that sense, I, I think nothing. Uh, just keep it up, uh, go on the same line. The only comment that I did get in general, which, but I think because it, this was such a big event and that in terms of entertainment outside uh, of matches, I think there were too many things at some point, too many, and some of them were empty or not, or half full, or, you know, people didn't know what to do, where to go. There were too many things happening at the same time. I would I would never think I could say this, but that, so probably in the future, you know, trying to coordinate a little bit more, and also, you know, many new places open, and now we wonder what is going to happen afterwards. So I think also in that line, you know, making sure that everything is sustainable, which I don't, I don't know if this is not the case, but we need to be aware of that, right? Because how many hotels open now, how many restaurants, and that generates uh, several, that has market implications, right? So in that sense, but but I'm not saying again, I repeat that, that there is a problem with that. It's just that Qatar needs to be aware. But I, I'm pretty much looking forward for Qatar to organize anything in the future. I think they earn it. And as I say, I think the country should be very proud. And I, I expect that, you know, in the future, we're going to see many other tournaments like this here. Mm-hmm. Sarah? Yeah, I mean, I just to echo everyone else, the logistics were amazing. Uh, my friends who visited 
literally their only complaint was that at their hotel the eggs took an hour to to come to them that was the only complaint they had about their two weeks that they spent here so i i think it was just overall logistically really amazing um one thing i think but the other things that were really fun were going to the fan zones and being able to even though we're not going to the games but to share in that community um, to, to be able to watch games together with people who were, who were really excited to be there in the fan zones. That was also a highlight for me. So I think going forward, if, if you know, more organization takes place, that there is a specific place for people who are interested to go because I think um, we have so many diverse communities in Qatar and we're sharing in all of these diverse activities if there's a spot where everybody is going who's not going to the event, where they everyone can kind of get together and share and learn about the events, maybe that would help, you know, in terms of greater having a greater community around the sporting events when they're happening here. Suhaim, you want to add something? Uh, I, I wanted to add something. Um, I, I, th I think we forgot to mention this in the, in the podcast. I just want to give a shout out to Japan. I huge respect to Japan, to be honest, uh, for everything that they've uh, they've done in Qatar. I mean, they were they were cleaning the stadiums out of you know respect, and I generally highly appreciate that. Uh, another th another thing is like their performance throughout the tournament. I mean, they they played amazing, and I just want to say you know like um, you know huge respect to Japan. So yeah. yeah. My son shares the sentiment. He asked me to buy him a Japan a shirt. <laughs> So to everybody, what were for you the highlights of the World Cup? What did you enjoy most? The World Cup, like everything was like 24 hours. Like some, I have some friends of mine who uh, actually stayed in Sukhwagov until 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. like listening to the Argentinian fans cheer or the Brazilian fans cheer or even the Saudi fans. The Saudi fans, they were over the place. And uh, I have been to Sukhwagov once in the group stages. And I have been Saudi Arabian fans, like, go all over the place. And it was just, like, surreal because I have never been imagined as a Qatari citizen to see that Sukhwagov can be so packed with fans. And it was really interesting to see that Qatar has opened new places, but the old-fashioned place, Sukhwagov, was the most affiliated place to see fans from all over the world. Um, and I wanted to just in, like talk about like a, fan, a small fan experience that I had, um, like the Argentina versus Netherlands match. You know, it was definitely one of the most underrated matches. It was at the Lucia Stadium, and I, I remember I was sitting next to you know you know like those like super fans, the ones that like wear like these hats and have like all these you know like um, all these like, gear on. And I had like another a Netherlands uh, like uh, you know a Dutch fan sitting next to me, and we were watching the game, and Argentina were winning two zero, and in the seventy fifth minute. Uh, the guy just shook my hand and he's like, I'm going, you know, there's like no hope for, for the Netherlands. And the moment he left, they scored two goals and they went to extra time and they went to penalties. I mean, this guy, you know, missed an amazing match, you know. So, you know, who knew what, uh, what would have happened, you know, at that time. So, uh, so in that match, actually, uh, I had people sitting right next to me and they also, they left and then they came back. So I look at me and I say, you never leave until it's over. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, that's yeah. rule number one in football, you yeah. know. And, and I was with, with my father, like we were puzzled, like, why would you do that? And, you know, you pay a lot of money for a ticket. Just stay until the end. Yeah. I, I had to, I mean, my, my thing was eliminated literally in the minute 90 of the match, okay? I, I would. I wish I had left so I wouldn't suffer it. But that's part of it, right? I mean, that's part of the, the experience. That's what people don't understand. I mean, you go to a stadium, you can win, lose, or tie. It doesn't really matter. It's just experience in the end. Because that's what you get. So, yeah, I, 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 I can relate to that. That's, that was amazing. I saw the same thing, basically. <laughs>
Yeah, I was at that match too, the uh, Argentina Netherlands, and I had Argentina fans, uh, oddly enough, around me. And, uh, you know, they're cheering, then they're sad, but then they're cheering again. And it, you know, emotions switch in a, you know, in a breath, you know. Uh, that, and that's what made this World Cup particularly exciting. So, no, I also regret. I, I wanted to, to go to 1974. And, you know, if Uruguay had made it to the round of 16, I would have. <laughs> so I'm, yeah. And I, I was, I, I was, to be honest, I wasn't counting on it. I, I always, I had no expectations in general. I mean, I was expecting them to do better, but, but yeah, I, I also didn't go to 1974. And it was such a unique stadium that I kind of regret a little bit. But, you know, what, what, what to do, right? That's, uh, you, you cannot be everywhere. So, yeah. I got to go to the stadium. I only got to go once uh, for uh, France, Denmark, I believe it was. And I took pride, actually, uh, kind, of, kind of a silly thing. I, I was able to go to each of the eight stadiums at least once, and, and I made a point of it to go and take a picture of the uh, unique signs they made for each of the stadiums that were the name of the stadium in, in kind of a bold text color and colors. And I'm going to print them all out and put them up in my office. <laughs> uh, I just want to quickly say something. I remember, uh, Sarah, you talked about uh, the England and the USA, the friendly rivalry. I remember I, I wanted to go to, to uh, I went to that match and I sat with the USA fans, not in the fan uh, area, but like at the corner where there were a lot of USA fans. And their chants were, I mean, I was shocked by what they were chanting. Like the... People were saying it's called soccer and, and stuff like that. And I mean, I was just laughing, you know, and some guy was like yelling 1776. And I'm like, what's going on here? Like, I mean, it was an entertaining match for sure. I mean, the game was not entertaining, but the fan experience was, you know, amazing. So, yeah. yeah and just in reference to it's called soccer, it's called soccer. <laughs> it was my favorite chant. My sons say it now all the time. And we decided that if the U.S., had actually won the World Cup, we would have to call it soccer for the next four years as it's coming up to being played in North America next time. So, yeah, it was great. It was Honestly, fun. even me as, uh, as a fan and attending uh, many games, what I really admired about the fans, especially is the South American fans, mm. they really love their teams. Yep. <laughs> they really love their teams. Like, they will support all the way. Yeah. Like, I, I love the Argentinian fans, the way they're chanting, they were... Their, their chance, they had a thing that they used to sing, like a motor or something. Muchachos. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so uh, that's true. I mean, I, I got to congratulate you guys, actually, uh, because you survived the Argentinians, the whole World Cup. So <laughs> kudos to you guys. Uh, I, I got to be honest. I'm, you know, they're my cousins, basically, right? Because we are right next to each other. We're very similar. I think we're a little bit less intense than they are, but still. Uh, and, and, you know, at the very end of the World Cup, I was already not fed up, but a little bit tired of every... And my Argentinian friends, friends live here in Qatar, they would say, this is too Argentinian even for me. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Because, because they have all this energy, which is amazing for the tournament, I think it was amazing. But, but yeah, I just wanted to congratulate you. Uh, I thought, to be honest, before the final, I thought, I don't know if tomorrow, you know, Lucille is going to be there or not. <laughs> but, but I think how it, it played out, uh, they were so shocked, happy but shocked, right? So that uh, watered them down, but... I think that also made it amazing, right? Because of Messi and well, I'm the beast. That's fantastic. I mean, that was. I thought. And and uh, uh, sorry, I want to say something about that, uh, which can be added at some point. But uh, so I was very upset when I started people talking about that, and I said, "You don't really understand. This is an honor for Messi. The Emir is honoring Messi. If he would do that to me, I would probably cry. I mean, it is 
you know, you, you have to understand what's going on. This is, not, of course, yeah, there is some marketing and the picture is iconic. I agree. But you know, I know, we all know what that means. I mean, uh, the mean would not do that to anybody, right? So, so it's, it's, it's symbolic. But then that, that, was, that was one of the things that really upset me the most. And then, of course, reading in, in one Uruguayan newspaper that he was wearing an abaya, which... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, things like that all the time, right? But I stopped reading as as yeah. as. as, as and say. what I loved about the this World Cup specifically, I don't know about uh, the international fans, but the thobes that represented the national teams, mm. like the American thobe, the Uruguayan thobe, the German thobe, like having like the job, uh, the thobe and the, the scarves that represent the national teams. What out, was outblasting? Like I remember seeing them, and I loved it. And actually, the Sukwak of uh, local stores, they used to manufacture these tops and sell it to the fans. Like, wow. <laughs> like, this is so amazing. It was not just that. Like, I remember also, like, the Dutch fans, they were, like, wearing an orange thobe. And, you know, they would, like, stand out from anywhere around the stadiums. And it was, it was amazing to see. But, like, as, um, as you said about, like, the Argentinian fans, I feel like they went through the most emotion throughout the World Cup. They had to, like, endure, like, comebacks. And then they have to, like, you know, especially in the finals and the knockout stages, but on like huge respect to Argentina. I mean, it was an amazing experience for us as locals to see, you know, to welcome the world and see like how they would, you know, how food, how much football means to them in general. You know, I remember like even seeing like the, the South American, like the competitiveness with the South American like in uh, nations. For example, like I saw Brazil fans going to like the Argentinian games because they expected, you know, Brazil expected to make it to the final, probably win. Mm. But I saw I saw like the, the Croatia versus Argentina match, like Brazilians were cheering for Croatia. And I'm like, what's going on here? Like, I mean, it's, I, I, we can expect it, but... Uh, yeah, so I have to say that I wanted to just echo about the thobes being worn and and just the generosity being shown by uh, the Qatari hosts when they would help them put together the gucha and make it just those were some moments I just thought I'm so proud to be here. This is what I love about about Qatar and how welcoming it is. Yeah, perfect. Thank you, Ahmed, Suhaim, uh, Robert, Santi and Sarah. Uh, this was terrific. And we are continuing uh, to, to, to listen to experiences of our community members at the World Cup. In the next episode, we are going to talk to students who are interning, volunteering, working at the World Cup. Um, so uh, look out for that. And yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.